like it's it's delivering. So I'm still like on the fence because I do want a bigger screen, but this looks pretty good. But I think I think I'm gonna hold off and um and get the um and and wait for the 15 inch. I may I may get the mini. Maybe. You're listening to the Snob OS podcast, the podcast for Apple snobs. Hey, this is Nika Monford, a.k.a. Tech Savvy Diva. Yo, this is Terrence Gaines, a.k.a. Brother Tech. And you're listening and or watching the Snob OS show, where we talk all things Apple and then some. We're back again. We've crossed the 100 episode threshold, so we are into the 100s. And we want to start off by thanking all of our patrons um, for... Um, for their support of the show. Um, if you are a patron, you um, just finished listening to the pre-show where we talked about some pretty uh, interesting topics. If you want to get in on that action for as little as $5 a month, you can become a patron and what you get access to, as I mentioned, um, the live shape, live access to the live taping, access to our pre-show, which we just completed, and access to our Discord chat that will likely become a Facebook group at the top of the year. So again, thank you, thank you, thank you for your support. It helps us to deliver this high-quality show that we bring to you weekly. All right, so let's go ahead and hop into the show. Let's start with the lowdown where we talk all things Apple. The first thing um, up, it's been blazing around the interwebs today. Um, Apple has announced um, an App Store small business program. And essentially, we've talked about this before on the show, um, Apple takes a 30% commission on um, app uh, revenue in their app store. So that's kind of like mm-hmm. an entry fee mm-hmm. to get your app into the Apple app store. But now with this new um, program for small business own small business programs, new small business programs, they have reduced the commission to 15% from 30%. Um, this commission um, will be available for small businesses and um, indie devs um, kind of those one-offs that aren't quite in the big collaborative efforts um, that make less than $1 million a year in revenue. And the plan is um, it launches the first day of 2021, hoping that that brings a better year for us. This is um, a big thing. And I don't know, I want to get your opinion. Do you think it's to... We, we, like I said, we've talked about it before how there's um, an antitrust lawsuit against Apple um, related to the App Store. Do you think this is a way for them to say, see, we're giving a little, we're not going to give, you know, this, you know, reduction to the big boys because they make us a lot of money and they make themselves a lot of money. So do you think this is their way of saying, um, we'll give a little bit, but not to everybody, just this, this certain population? No, that's exactly what it is. And to curry favor 
you know, with the public as a whole. So when this antitrust thing, if it goes any further, then, you know, they'll have the public opinion on their side. They'll also have small developers on their side to where they'll tell stories, you know, how Apple does and they're marketing genius. They will tell stories about, you know, one time small developers who have created this dope app. And as a result of this reduction in the fees enables them to do all these great, wonderful things. So um, it is, I'd say, 25 percent. This is the right thing to do. And more 75 percent. Uh, let's figure out how we can make ourselves look better. So, again, like you mentioned, it doesn't go to the big boys, you know, big companies who are making millions and millions of dollars on mobile apps is for those, you know, small developers um, from in the way I'm reading it. Um, existing developers who have made up to a million in 2020 for all their apps, as well as developers new to the app store can qualify for the program. If a participating, participating developer surpasses the one million threshold, the standard 30% commission kicks in. But if a developer falls below the 1 million mark in a calendar year, they'll go back down to the 15% commission. So again, you know, like I said, it's pretty straightforward. It is a major lump that they're cutting in half. But like you mentioned, they are uh, not cutting the leash altogether. They're just lengthening it, you know, and like I said, to make themselves look good as well as, you know, give some uh, some relief to possibly a developer who makes a living on a, you know, via the app store to where 15 percent less uh, commission will go a long way. Yeah. Yep. I completely agree. They are playing the um, PR game and what a way to play it. Mm -hmm. If they can get a gaggle of small developers on their side, then might just turn the tide in their favor. All right. Mm -hmm. So um, the next thing we want to talk about, I know we've hammered, you know, security, security, uh, you know, protect your passwords, have longer passwords that are, 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 you know, harder to crack and keep you safer. Well, 1Password uh, for Mac, they are um, doing an update. And what this update does, it allows you to unlock um, it with your Apple Watch and it improves the integration um, with Safari. If anybody uses Safari, you know that when you go to sign up for something, it'll give you the recommended password um, option. Um, but it looks like this new feature will allow you to have um, better access to your your one password. I think uh, Terrence and I both mentioned that we both use LastPass, um, but it mm -hmm. looks like this new feature is about to, to roll out and it will um, let uh, users, I'm reading from the article on 9to5Mac, um, lets users save and sync their passwords, private notes, credit cards, and more between multiple devices. And um, this version 7.7 right. .7, um, was released today, um, today being Wednesday the 18th, um, for, for mm -hmm. Mac OS. Right. So 1Password is mad popular with Mac users, even though 1Password is compatible with uh, Android phones and Windows PCs. 1Password is mainly known as a uh, Apple slash Mac app. So the functionality 
the you know the user friendliness the user environment and interface as a whole works well on apple devices more so than some of these other ones including LastPass. one of the things i issues i have with LastPass is it tries to be everything to everybody mm-hmm. so as a result it's not as seamless um you know when i'm trying to log on to a website uh via safari or via chrome via chrome the LastPass browser extension doesn't always work as smoothly. Uh, that's not the case with one password. So this added security and uh, added uh, added features with um, Safari rather is probably going to make it probably one of the best um, password managers if you use exclusive if you use exclusively Apple devices. Like I mentioned, it works with Windows PCs and it works for Android, but who cares, right? It works better <laughs> for Macs. And right. And the fact that you can unlock with your Apple Watch, you know, you can already do that if you have an Apple Watch and a Mac. Right. You mm-hmm. just open up your lid, um, you know, it shows the password. And if you already have your Apple Watch on and you have it unlocked, that's just easier way to get in because, you know, and it's secure because if you don't have your watch on, then you have to enter the passcode, blah, blah, blah. Have but to remember and all that stuff. Yeah. Tied together. Right. And it's already tied and it's already on. It's unlocked. And they're they're taking the assumption that, okay, well, if you have this feature enabled, then you can just go ahead and access it that way. But in order to have this option enabled, one specifically to unlock, you know, one password, your Apple Watch, you have to be running Mac OS Catalina 10.15 or later on a Mac with the secure enclave security feature with the T1, the T2 or the M1 chip. So it won't work on all of the older Macs, like 20, I'd say 2016 and younger. So, but anything 2016, 2017 and up, when Apple announced though the security enclave with it, those T1, T2, or just the recently announced the M1 chip, if you have those later Macs, then you can de- definitely use that functionality. And I think we mentioned that the reason why I I chose LastPass was because it was cheaper than One Password. But I think now that One Password offers a subscription service similar to one to mm-hmm. LastPass, look. And we talked I mean, too. I mean, yeah, and we right, talked too right. about it was an update that they did. We talked about it a couple months ago that was really, really good that they were now doing that they were no, it was a bundle. One password is offering a bundle. And I think that mm-hmm. was like, oh wow, that's really great. And the subscription starts um with one password a monthly subscription starting at 2.99 a month with of course other plans available as well so if you are a mac user and you need a password manager or your password manager isn't giving you what you want this may be an option for you look into it do your research right now remember now remember uh icloud keychain is free yeah and it works well Mm -hmm. and it works well for passwords but anything other than passwords, like, you know, birth certificates, credit cards, any sort of other random passwords, whether it be like uh, passwords for your actual devices, you know, iCloud Keychain, that's where it kind of falls short. So it's anything just else solely passwords. Lock and key, yeah. Right. It's just solely passwords for the web, for apps. So birth certificates, passports, bank accounts. Uh, I'm talking like the actual bank account with your account and routing information. Mm-hmm. It's 
almost impossible to do that in iCloud Keychain. So yeah. that's where you need the password manager that manages all that stuff. So I would all I would I would actually look at one password as a de facto for a Mac user versus mm-hmm. some of the other ones. And I'm saying that as a person that doesn't use <laughs> one password. So <laughs> I'm not being favoritist. Right. One password is a business. So I may yeah. I definitely may check it out. Yep. Cool. All right. Um last week we did pretty much most of the show talking about the new M1 chip that was announced by Apple. So um, reviews are out. um, And so far I've read a few different reviews and it's living up to everything that Apple said it was. Um, I'm not surprised, but a little surprised because they were promising some pretty you know, some pretty big Steve. stuff. Yeah. That mm-hmm. we haven't really seen before. And people were like, there is no way it's possible that you can run graphics, you can run IDEs, you can run, you know, editing software, all with this quote unquote limited amount of RAM. But um, everything that we're seeing, I know that everything I've seen is people are, are blown away by the... M1 chip. Um, the benchmarks are mm-hmm. through the roof. Um, the usability. They run quieter. Yep. So everybody is giving it a, an enthusiastic, enthusiastic thumbs up. Um, any of the reviews that you've you've uh, read about? Yeah, I've seen a couple. I've seen a couple on YouTube. Uh, MKBHD. Uh, he did his, you know, Marcus Brownlee, for those who don't know, you know, he did his review and he's he's pretty even keel about, you know, Apple products. You know, he'll give you the benefits, but he'll also give you the the knocks and, you know, everything he's loved about it. You know, he said glaring things. Um, one of the things he did mention is if you have specific workflows with specific apps, you know, you may want to wait until the app compatibility for instance, uh, the the app developer creates or recreates their app specifically for that M1 chip. You might want to hold off because there are some uh, workflows or compatibility issues. And he ran off a couple specific to him, which aren't specific to regular users. You right. know, these are specific to high end, you know, creators that have very specific things that they do and they can't afford to have that workflow interrupted, diverted by, right, interrupted, right, by, you know, uh, compatibility, right? So if you're that kind of person, which most of us are not, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you might want to hold off. But for mom and them, you know, (laughs) you ain't got to worry about it. Don't be, you know, don't, don't look at a blogger and say, oh, well, what about what? Don't worry about it. This, this that's not for you. M1 chip and these new Macs, right? These new Macs will will blow your pants off, right? So yeah, and uh, for that the, was the only thing I wanted to say. Yeah, and for the most part, even for uh, high performance computing folks, you know what I'm reading, it's still going to be pretty pretty top tier as well. But mm-hmm. it's the biggest thing is you know, like you mentioned, and you know what uh, how what Marcus mentioned is. Of course, all the apps aren't up to spec for silicon. So you're going to have to wait if you you're going to have to wait for the apps and to kind of catch up. Have to. It's, it's if you have a really specific, really specific nailed down 
way of doing things. And you, again, you cannot afford to have that interrupted. You want to wait. Even some of the things that aren't immediately compatible are compatible. You can actually run them on this new M1 chip. They use the whole Rosetta 2 technology. I don't know what that means. I'm just going to tell you it's called Rosetta 2. <laughs> <laughs> they use that to actually port the incompatible app over to the M1 chip. And it works. It works. It just may not work it as works, seamless right? as you're used to. It may not work catered specifically and for those people who don't like change. And there are a lot of people mm-hmm. who do not like change. So if if you getting an M1 chipped compute Mac and that interruption change and you're not used to change, then stay away. If you are used to change or it's not that deep which is the majority of us, you'll be just fine. Yeah. Yeah. So it looks like it's, it's delivering. So I'm still like on the fence because I do want a bigger screen, but this looks pretty good. But I think, I think I'm going to hold off and, um, and get the, um, and, and wait for the 15 inch. I may, I may get the mini. Maybe. Not sure. Well, so with the smaller screen thing that I didn't even think about that I didn't think to mention, um, I use my 15 inch MacBook, the monitor as a primary monitor. Very rarely I used to dock it, but rare, very rarely do I dock it anymore. I'm using it as a laptop. Mm-hmm. If you are the type of person that has a 32 inch 4K 440 by whatever resolution high-end monitor and you've got a USB-C dock that you can dock into your Ethernet. You can dock into your USB, you know, microphone or camera or printer or whatever Mm -hmm. the case may be. The 13-inch M1 Mac may be just fine when you're going to dock it, close it, and then use all the other peripherals. So, you know, don't, you know, don't just don't automatically rule it out because it's a 13 inch right if your lifestyle if or your workflow yeah if your setup is specific to well i'm going to use it as a mac mini anyway mm-hmm. and then when i'm traveling when i'm on the road i don't necessarily need this huge monitor i just need something to be able to get some work done then mm-hmm. shoot 13 inch may just work yeah definitely may just work for you because i know it's one of those things where um I, the reason I've been kind of going back and forth is because I definitely want the bigger screen, but I'm like, where am I going? I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and like my, I have OCD tendencies and like I have two new monitors that I need to hook up in my office down here. I already have one primary that I use and like I've been waiting to do it because I need to like pull out my desk. I want to clean behind it. I want to like redo my cables but I wasn't able to do that because I needed the bigger monitor for some work stuff so now all of my cables are all over the place and it's just like it has me in a tailspin that I can't quite get out of because I'm waiting on some new um cable locks and cable you know binder things to come Mm -hmm. in and so I've just been all discombobulated because I'm looking at the Mac mini now and like all the cables are just like all willy-nilly and it's it's driving me crazy and I can barely deal. Right. But I just, you know, the reason why we started um, late today is because I had work commitments and I just haven't had time to do what I would normally do for my setup. So, uh, so yeah, so 
I don't know. I'm still waffling. I'm still on the fence, but I may do the mini because I definitely want the bigger screen. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just out here confused, but that's just me. (laughs) That's just my confusing nature. All right. Um, That is it for the lowdown this week. Let's head over to second string. Continuing with the um, Apple Silicon um, uh, Mac, uh, Google is launching a native version specifically for the ARM version of the Apple, which is the M1 chip. So they begin rolling it out on Tuesday, but it looks like they they stopped um, the, the rollout. But essentially, um, Google has this version of Chrome that will run natively on, on Apple Macs, on the new Silicon, uh, Apple Silicon. So um, they uh, begin, yeah, I'm reading from the article on The Verge, and um, they the reason they stopped the rollout is because they're saying that the version may have uh, unintentionally and unexpectedly crashed, but it just goes to show that folks are definitely getting on the M1 chip bandwagon and making sure that their devices are ready to rock and roll with the new Mac because well go ahead. well Chrome had to because Chrome has always been a resource pig when it comes to multiple tabs doing any sort of heavy work in Chrome whether you're watching a video or you know um, doing any sort of multi you know multitasking productivity work Chrome will have your Mac screaming chugging along from just the browser from all that stuff so with all the benefits that come with m1 with the m1 chip chrome automatically was like all right we gotta make sure we're up to snuff because we're tired of hearing y'all complain about how resource hard we're energy chrome hogs is. so let's go ahead redesign everything make everything compatible so people start stop running your mouth right so um for whatever reason, it crashed. But according to the uh, the update, like we mentioned, as of three o'clock on Wednesday, um, the version is now available. So they fixed whatever was crashing, and now it's available for download. And they even show a screenshot on the Verge where you know select the version of Chrome that's right for you, Mac with Intel chip, which is most of us, mm-hmm. and then Mac with the Apple chip. So if you ch- click that one. Download and you are one of the few who have a much better Chrome experience than the rest rest of us us who I only use Chrome. Right. I only use Chrome on my Safari on my Mac when I have to upload a video to YouTube or edit, you know, um, anything with YouTube. (laughs) I just use Chrome. But anything outside of that, I use Safari because I know as soon as I open up Chrome, my fan is going to start spinning and I go to my uh, my activity monitor and Chrome is way at the top using all their processes and all the, the, the energy for my Mac. So uh, I will I will be looking forward to doing Chrome once I finally get an M1 chip Mac, which who knows when. <laughs> yeah, baby girl kind of messed that up for you, but it's OK. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So um, the next story that we have for second string, um, 
Big tech is in Washington again. They've been called back for more hearings. Um, and, uh, Republicans are really trying to wag their finger at, um, particularly the, um, the CEOs of two of the biggest social media, probably the two biggest social media apps that we have. Twitter, um, Jack Dorsey was speaking uh, on behalf of Twitter. And of course, Mark Zuckerberg was speaking for Facebook. So as you can imagine, there was a lot of misinformation um, that was flowing on both of these platforms and, you know, we know Twitter put their labels on misinformation. And we know, I think we talked about it last week, where Facebook started to do some of the similar. So they were called into, um, called into, um, video, um, uh, meetings with the Zoom. Yeah. Zoom meetings. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, with some of the, um, leaders in in the Senate, particularly Lindsey Graham and Ted Cruz. Um, so it's one of those things where both of these individuals are huge proponents of the outgoing president. So they were really trying to, it seems to me, reading through the article, they were really trying to nail them and kind of back them in. Well, about specific well, things that I think they had issues specifically related to what, you know, the president had to say. Right. They, they were right. So if you read, if you read through the story in the beginning, they were doing exactly what you're saying. They're wagging a finger, shame on big tech for interfering in the election. Mm -hmm. Shame on y'all for, you know, especially Ted Cruz, shame <sighs> on y'all for censoring the president. He's a president, blah, 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 you know, Throwing the hands up, doing a grandstand, showboating like Ted Cruz and Lindsey Graham are known to do. do. Right. Right. But they're starting to change their tune now that they're no longer beholden to Trump and trying to, you know, hold him up. Now that they've all but accepted the idea that Trump is no longer in office and now we're going to have to usher in this new administration. Now they're starting to change their tune mm -hmm. and it's, not, it's a little softer a little softer and now they're starting to kind of accept big tech's role in how things are being run they're not they're not you know jumping on them saying you've got to change this and you got to do this now they're kind of okay with the idea which makes sense as a republican or as a conservative not necessarily a republican a conservative in general to where you are in favor of capitalism you're in favor of less government intervention which is surprising you know again going back to the original to where you know ted cruz and lindsey graham are all in big tech's face aren't y'all the party of less government intervention mm -hmm. so they're starting to go back to that to where they're not so you know in big tech's face they're getting of out of like trumpism and going back into their republicanism right. and now that so, they know right, right. they know um, that the president isn't going to be up their back and pushing them to do something they realized mm -hmm. and they've had to understand that you know what 
Labeling misinformation is critical and not just for elections, for anything that we have going on on social media. And honestly, it probably benefits them more because people be on these social media streets just lying, just throwing out hot takes, not even, you know, a credence well, of, of credibility. It's, it's more, I think it's more self-serving than that. I think it's more big tech spends a lot of money lobbying. Mm -hmm. So let me cool back. So I can get some of this money. I might want, I might want to get some of that money in the next four years. Cause I got to run again. They may remember, right. They may remember what I said. So let me shut up now <laughs> when this new administration comes in and who knows what Biden and them are going to do. They may, you know, um, they may do the opposite. They may warm up to big tech. So let me preemptively cool down. So, so I can pick a side. And when I switch, this. it won't be so bad. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's right. And because, I mean, it's a money I mean, game. You know, yeah. right. And, you know, to, to relate this back to technology, you know, Facebook, Twitter, for lack, for good or bad, they are major players in how our society is runs, not necessarily in control, but, you know, what we what we use social media for is our major components in our everyday lives, good or bad. So, you know, they have a lot of influence, especially now that Trump is leaving office. So, right. And both like of these said, men you know, they, are they, billionaires. They are in their core demographic. They're white, uh -huh. they're straight, uh -huh. and they're extremely uh -huh. wealthy. So these are typically right. the type of people they would be going after to solicit money from. Uh -huh. So now they got it. Right. They have to right. reverse course. They've spent the last, I uh -huh. wouldn't even say four, probably how, when I think Trump came on the scene, it, he came on before when, when President Obama was running for office. So mm -hmm. they've had to kind of kowtow and kind of fall in line. But now they're now they realizing that he's, he's out. So now they got to try and mm -hmm. get back to what it was, but the internet never forgets and people never forget. And we, we will, we will see. I, I hate to say it, but I think the internet will change the channel and there'll be something else going on and it'll be business as usual. I hate to say it. Even when Biden gets in the office and not to derail the conversation, but uh, Biden has mentioned, you know, he doesn't want to, you know, spend the next couple of years trying to, you know, uh, prosecute people for the things that they did during Trump's administration. He wants prosecute to unify. He wants to get the right. So, but his VP is it, but, his VP is a know, prosecutor. So I don't think she's gonna let it go. Look, <laughs> don't be surprised. I'm gonna <laughs> be hopeful go because I want to see them in jumpsuit okay. orange. I want to see them in handcuffs right. being led. That is what I want. <laughs> that is what I want oh, from yes. them. And I think if they get enough pressure, they are going to have to do something. They somebody's got to go to jail. Somebody somebody got to go to jail. Okay. So okay. I'm waiting <laughs> for the perp walk because I people need to go to jail cuz this was just all this was a travesty of injustice and I want right. somebody needs to go to jail <laughs> to account for this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, the other thing, the last thing in um, second string, um, Google 
uh, they are launching um, uh, their new Google Pay app um, for Android and iOS. Um, If I'm not mistaken, I'm not a huge uh, person in the Google, you know, ecosystem, but they had Mm -hmm. a, a Google Pay app before and it wasn't, I don't think great. And I don't know, I don't think the engagement was there, but they are announcing, um, the new Google pay tomorrow, which will be Thursday at 9.27 AM. Is that an Android thing for the 9.27? I don't know what the 9.27 means, but anyway. Um, so. uh, I'm, I'm not sure. I can tell you. But it's just weird that they chose 9.27 AM Pacific time at the start, but Neither here nor there. That's what they did. So um, they uh, they launched, uh, they made the announcement with a video. And the video says that um, the new application will help, quote, improve your relationship with money, end quote. Um, and I want to say I was reading uh, some other articles and, oh, it talks about it further down, um, that Google is really getting into the financial sector, and they are engaging some more traditional banks and they're doing, uh, doing, um, crap, Google Bank or something along those lines with, you know, your more traditional banks like Citibank. And they list here. Yeah, they're um, going to. Status. Yeah, they're going to do the same. No, they're going to do the same thing that Apple does. Apple is not a financial institution, so they use, uh, who did they? Goldman Sachs? I Goldman think it's Sachs, yes. Yeah. I can't remember. Anyway, it's Goldman Sachs, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, so they use Goldman Sachs to hold the money, and they're just the interface for your money, right? So Google, this new Google Pay is going to do the same thing. They're going to have like a budgeting feature to where you can manage your money better. And again, if you need to move your money around, access your money, pay for things, then it'll just be the interface for this uh, Citibank and Stanford Credit Union, you know, will be the lead partners who actually will do the actual transactions. So uh, the benefit to this probably is they may take the money management a step further than Apple Pay, Apple, uh, you know, Apple Card and all that. They have basics. You know, you can kind of see where transactions are coming from and they color coded, you know, and that sort of thing. You can see a report now. They're steadily adding new things. But I think this uh, Google Pay will probably take it a step further and probably have a more uh, meatier app that will be to do more, more, more. more more money management, mm-hmm. uh, more budgeting. You know, you can budget, maybe even like put your money in buckets, I would assume, you know, without actually having to have three and four and five accounts. You can put your money in specific buckets and then, you know, vacation, shopping, you know, savings, house fund, those type of things. Yeah. Right? And it looks and, like, go ahead. You're finished. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, so, you know, um, Google has seen what Apple did with their Apple card and they're probably going to take it a step further which again is good for our competition because then Apple will see what Google's doing and then they'll add some more stuff. And like I said before, you know, competition is always good for the consumer. So I'm not hating. No, not Google at all. Pay at all. I hope they do come out with some dope features because then next year or whenever Apple will get some dope same. features. Right. Yep. And it looks like, um, it, it, it according to the article, Google pay currently use, uh, uh, NFC as, the way that they do their payments, I'm assuming the chip that they have that 
they can, you know, do the tap and, and, and go. So it looks like they're improving that as well. So nice. And it's not just going to Android, it's going to iOS as well. So, yeah. So I guess more details are forthcoming on, on Thursday. So if you're interested in that, be on the lookout for the official announcement, um, on Thursday. Well, it'll already be done by the time you see it, but, uh, by the time you hear the episode, but if you want to go back and, and catch the info, um, I'm sure you'll be able to find it on Google's website. All right. That is it for second string. Let's head on into for the culture. We talked a couple weeks ago about um, the versus battle that was coming on November 19th. Originally, it was supposed to be between uh, Young Jeezy and T.I., Snowman versus the Rubber Band Man. Well, there's been a little switcheroo. And now the battle um, for tomorrow, the 19th, um, is between Young Jeezy and Gucci Mane. Um, and for those of you who are not up on the Atlanta scene, the Atlanta culture, this is, a it's a huge deal because these two individuals do not like each other at all. There has already been bickering back and forth on social media between these two with Young Jeezy telling Gucci Mane, don't send you clone, uh, Gucci Mane, uh, referencing, you know, uh, you know, the snowman. So it's been a whole battle back and forth and the bad blood goes back years with these two and not just, you know, Twitter fingers beef. I mean, you know, actual physical harm. We're talking about courtrooms. We're talking about jails. So, um, Everyone who is is on the Atlanta scene and uh, grew up in Atlanta or grew up in the in, in Georgia in the South, particularly, are super excited about this versus. I don't know if this is going to be an in person battle. If it is, there's probably going to be security because it can get out of hand. But uh, so, um, I'm pretty sure they are trying to hype this thing up. Yes, I'm pretty sure it's going to be, you know, some sort of come to the table, uh, let's be friends moment. And it's going to be this big, you know, shaking of hands and hugs and all that stuff. And then, you know, they're going to do their thing because I don't believe that as much. I don't know. Like I said, I pointed at myself because Jeezy and they were I was at the age to where it's like, yeah, I don't listen to that music no more. So they came out at that time to where, you know, uh, yeah, I'm going to listen to the stuff that I like when I was growing up and my playlist does not have Jeezy or Gucci Mane music in it at all. So I'm not familiar with the beef at all, but I refuse to believe that they would disrespect people like um, Timberland and Swiss Swiss Beats to Mm. come on their platform and do any sort of crazy stuff because that would be as much as it would be good entertainment you know i don't think they would do that my my guess is they will be kumbaya and they will do you know the same versus thing that all the other ones did so that's my assumption let's hope so because i'm not so sure (laughs) 
okay. The the bad blood runs deep. Hopefully, they've grown and they've matured. They're both. I, I don't know if Young Jeezy has gotten married or not yet, but he's engaged to one of the the co-hosts of the Real, I think. And of course, um, Gucci is is married, has a baby on the way, a new baby on the way. So hopefully. They've matured. I'm sure there's going to be some sniping. I'm sure there's definitely going to be some shade, um, but hopefully it will stay there and be light and fun. And, you know, for for the 2000s folks who was out on the scene getting their life, um, we can have a good time. So, yeah. Yep. I probably will be skipping this one because, like I said, I'm I'm not a... I listen to their music when it, you know, the the party and the radio. But like I said, I don't have either of these guys in my playlist. So yeah, I will digress or I will stand stand aside and let them do their thing. <laughs> I will be in there, ready to see the chicanery because I know it's coming. <laughs> so yeah, maybe we'll report back uh, to see if it was a kumbaya or if it was a trap fest. All right, that is it for for the culture. I don't think we've had one that short in a really long time. All right, uh, the hookup, brother tech, what you got? So I uh, finally downloaded and installed the public version of macOS Big Sur. Uh, I am a neat freak, and I've always hated when anytime I download or install an application. They add a menu item in the dock at the top, not the bottom when you go through and open up your applications, but in the upper right hand corner to where it shows you, you know, applications that are open, applications that are running, services that are happening. They put a little icon in the upper right corner. I've always hated that. And I've hated that I can't reorder them. Well, that's no longer the case in Mac OS Big Sur because I actually can uh, drag and reorder some of those menu icons in the top. And if you're not familiar with what I'm talking about, you know, the, the icons that show the battery life, the icons that show if you're connected to like any sort of cloud synchronization service, those icons that show you, you know, uh, the time and day, you can actually go into the system preferences, open up menu and dock, and then you can actually go through some of the services and you can check a box that says show in menu bar. So if you want an icon to show up in that menu bar uh, at the top, you can click that box. If you want to remove it, then you uncheck the box, obviously. Once you do that, you know, those icons will show up and appear in the upper right-hand corner. And then what you can do is if you want to reorder them, like if you want certain icons to be further to the left or further over to the right, uh, you can actually press and hold the command button and actually grab and drag and reorder those icons to get more of a personalized, customized experience. So that is my tip for the week. If you download macOS Big Sur, you can actually add and remove menu icons and you can actually reorder them for a more personalized experience. So that is my tip for the week, because like I said, I am a neat freak and i don't like those icons so i removed a bunch of them <laughs> now to where i've got four on some things that i really want to see on a regular basis and for the things that i don't want to see i've actually moved them to the control center so if you click the little control center icon 
And then if you want to see some of those things that you've hidden, you can actually move them to control center to where they're there, but you actually have to click on something for them to appear. And then you can act on them, you know, enable things, unenable things of that nature. So that's my tip for the week. Perfect. All right. That's our show for this week. Definitely download, rate, and review us. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Definitely be sure to hit us up on the social medias. We're um, at Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We're at Cast everywhere. Also, you can watch us on YouTube at our YouTube channel, Cast. Definitely be sure to like and subscribe. Be sure to like and subscribe Uh to the channel. Also, you can feel free to leave us comments either via email at snobowestcast at gmail.com or shoot us over a note um, on our website at snobowestcast.com. Again, if you would like to become a Patreon and support the show for as little as $5 a month, you can do so at patreon.com slash snobowestcast. And for that $5, you will get access to uh, our pre-show content, access to our live taping, and access to our Discord live chat and, and future Facebook group coming. And that's it for this week. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. Peace.